<laughs> Welcome to week four of The Way of Love. We are celebrating uh, love in this, in this series, understanding what the love of God is and how he wants to live out our lives through that way of love. This is mainly um, a relationship series, but since it is Baptism Sunday, are you excited about Baptism Sunday? Amen. <laughs> We should be, you know, our mission statement here at the City Church is moving people closer to Jesus. It's why we exist. And really moving people closer to Jesus is just a short form of the Great Commission, where Jesus is talking, telling us to go make disciples. In other words, that people that are far from God can enter into a relationship with Jesus. And then all of us are moving closer to Jesus through discipleships. And so water baptism is a way for us to celebrate that we are doing that, that we people are saying yes to Jesus and people are going public with their faith. I'll explain a little bit more about that later as we celebrate baptisms here at the end of the service. Um, but we're going to just dive into some scriptures this morning. Um, you know, so far in this series, we've talked a little bit about love, obviously. Um, the first week, I just talked about what love is and defining it from the scripture and understanding how God loves us, but he also, he wants to love us like a father. And then a couple weeks ago, Michael talked about uncommon love and how important that is in the context of our relationships. And then last week, our guest, Pastor Brad Larson, he talked about uh, love in the context of marriage, secrets of marriage. And so if you missed any of those messages, we encourage you to go and check them out on our YouTube page. And then also uh, you can check them out on our podcast. But as we talk about uh, baptism today and realizing how amazing the love of God is for us, and that is why we say yes to Jesus, because God loves us so much. It's so important for us to celebrate and know our relationship with God and how it came to be and what it means when we're in a relationship with God. And I'm just going to read here Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. And this is talking about Jesus' baptism. And it says in verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him. He said, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And then when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and coming to rest on him. Now, again, I just want to mention, the Holy Spirit is not a bird, is like a dove, and you know, we know uh, a simile comparison using like or as, and this is just a comparison of something so we would understand what's happening in this moment. There's no bird that flew down. It's a representation, the symbolism here that this is a really peaceful moment, and you know, the, the dove is still used today for peace. And so we see this is what's happening in this moment, this holy moment when Jesus is getting baptized. So the Holy Spirit comes down and rests on him. Now, as we are doing baptism today for our candidates uh, over here, this is not going to happen when you get baptized. Um, But this is something special that we see with Jesus. And behold, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That God is saying, about Jesus, that he's pleased with him. And see, a big part of our relationship with God and our struggle um, with our relationship with God, or just people in general, their struggle with the relationship with God, we're not sure how God feels about us. 
does God really love us? Is he angry with us? Sometimes we look at the circumstances in our lives, negative circumstances, and we think, maybe, you know, does God, if God loves me, why would this thing be so bad? But as we've said many times, we don't want to look at the negative circumstances on our lives and, and put that on the character and nature of God. We know that when we face negative circumstances, when we face struggles in life, uh, the scripture tells us that we have an enemy, Satan, who's coming against us. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when we know that those things, when those things show up in our lives, we can resist them by the power of God. Can I get an amen? That God is not trying to hurt us and then heal us. That God is just in the good business. He is doing the good things in our lives. So any evil that comes our way, we can always resist because we know God loves us. But can we imagine God saying this about us? That God would be pleased with me. That God would, would love me and care about me. Like, well, we know Jesus, the spotless, sinless lamb of God, born of a virgin, the pre-existent Jesus? Of course God loves him, but I'm, I'm not sure that God would ever say this about me. See, we need to know that God loves us because his love will sustain us and care for us in those difficult times that I just mentioned. That we would live our lives knowing that we are in Christ. The word beloved just means esteemed, dear. It also means worthy of love. Jesus was the beloved son of God. So when we uh, know this, what does it mean for us in our lives? See, when we think about religion, religion is something that people lord over each other, just sort of some sort of rule set, and we just want to hold it over somebody's head, and then we want to be angry at them when they don't follow the rules. But when we understand the love of God, the love of God becomes a way of life for us. We understand about how God loves us, and then we are living out that love every day in the context of relationships. John chapter 5, verse 16 says this. And well, and so this, this portion of scripture is right after Jesus healed somebody. I just want to set up the context. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. So Jesus was breaking their religious rules. They thought that when Jesus was healing somebody, he wasn't resting properly on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son of man can do nothing out of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. So what didn't the religious people like? That Jesus was breaking the rules on the Sabbath, but then he would call God father. See, when we think again about this context of religion, that religion that God is distant somewhere and he's angry and he's frustrated with you. But here Jesus is calling God this close term, father. He's close and he loves me and he cares about me. The religious people didn't like that. The Pharisees didn't like that. You're calling God father. No, God is not your father. He's powerful and he's strong, but but he's not loving. This is something that Jesus understood. And this is something that Jesus was redefining so people could understand who God truly is. 
John chapter 1, verse 11, says this. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. The thing that the Pharisees didn't like, the thing that Jesus emphasized about God, that he was fathered, that Because of the coming of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus on the cross, he gives us this power to become the right, to become the children of God. That we're sons and daughters of God. That we are the beloved in Christ. That he loves us. Could you imagine God loving you? Think about the holy, pure, true creator God. And then the dysfunctional me and the dysfunctional you and the struggles we all find ourselves in, that God calls us his children, that he's pleased with us and he loves us. Colossians chapter one, verse 13 says this, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So when we say yes to Jesus, When we believe on his name, he transfers us out of the authority of the kingdom of the world and he transforms us and changes us, moves us into the kingdom of God, the place of God's rule that we find ourselves in Christ. I'm going to read a bunch of verses here in a second that use this phrase, in Christ, in him. And this is a great New Testament Bible study, in him, in Christ, through him. In the kingdom of God. Because why do we need to be in the kingdom? We need to be in the kingdom of God and we need to be in Christ because we live in the crazy kingdom of this world. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? In this crazy kingdom of the world, there's, there's sickness and there's disease and there's brokenness and there's heartbreak and there's no peace. Jesus said, in the world, we are going to have tribulation. But then what did he say? Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That God has moved us into this kingdom, into the authority of his kingdom, so that we can go into the kingdom of the world, not to be changed by the kingdom of the world, but be changed by Christ. That we find ourselves in Christ, in the kingdom of God, in him, so that when we go and live in the kingdom of this world, we're not affected by it. And our destinies are changed forever. And we have the power of God within us to be able to change the circumstances, to change things in this kingdom. Has anyone ever sensed brokenheartedness? You've been through a broken relationship. You know, the series that we're talking about love. And then we've either, you know, had a breakup. um, Maybe some people have gone through a divorce. You've had a a friend betray you and all those difficult things that we face in the kingdom of this world. And if we don't have any solutions, if we don't have any other love, we're just left to ourselves, our own devices. Well, what can we do? Well, I guess we can just wait it out and see what happens. But then when we're translated into the kingdom of the son of his love, we live in this kingdom. God changes something on the inside of us that we find ourselves in Christ. Spirit of God on the inside of us so that we're able to face 
all of the stuff that we face in the kingdom of this world. So that we're in Christ in the kingdom of this world. Because if we're just in the kingdom of this world, we have no other solutions other than just secularism and what other people could dream up. We just don't want to live in that place. We want to live in Christ. So what are some of these in Christ realities? What, what, what is true when we find ourselves in him? Now, the book of Ephesians is a great book for this. The, the first part of the book of Ephesians uh, explains to us this whole spiritual truth and where we are in, in Christ and, and what salvation is like and what the apostle Paul would be praying for us. And the second half of the book is, okay, here's how to live all of those things out. Positionally, you are in Christ, and this, is, this wonderful truth is, has taken place. This spiritual truth has taken place. And then the second half of the book is, okay, here's how to be friends. And here's how not to hate each other. And here's how to be married. And here's how to raise children. And so these spiritual truths in Christ, in him, through him, affect how we live our lives. Understanding that God loves us so much. That he's changed us. He's changed our destiny. And that he's moved us into the kingdom of God so that we can go and live our lives a different way. That we can live our lives by the way of love. Let's read some of these truths here in Ephesians 1 verse 1. It says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus... So the saints, you know, if you, if you grew up Catholic, you never thought you'd make it. You'd never be a saint for sure. But then the, the scripture tells us that in Christ, you're a saint. Jesus qualified you. You didn't qualify yourself because of a bunch of good stuff that you did. That in Christ, we are saints. This is an aside. <laughs> Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. That we are blessed in Christ. In the world, we're going to face tribulation, right? Difficulties, sickness, brokenness, lack, all of this stuff that we're going to face by living in the world. We're just going to face all these things. But we are blessed in Christ. Are you here this morning? In Christ. Listen. With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In the realm of God. Do you like the sound of that? Every spiritual blessing means nothing is left out. Everything you need. Peace. Joy. Strength. Mercy. Grace. Healing all of the things that we need. Where are they found? In Christ. And then when we take all of these things that we have in Christ and we go and live our lives in the kingdom of this world. But we're in Christ. We're not of the world. We're, we're in Christ and we're taking all that God has given. He's blessed us with every spiritual. Are you reading with me this morning? Every spiritual blessing. Sons and daughters of God. He's pleased with us. Why is he pleased with us? Because we are in Christ. We're not saying, God, I'm so good. I'm so amazing. I'm so righteous. I've memorized scripture. No, I humbly come and I say, I'm, I'm in Christ. 
I believe what Jesus has done. I'm coming by faith. I'm trusting you for my today and for my eternity and every spiritual blessing. It's in Christ. Verse four, even as he chose us in him. Everybody say in him. So we're in Christ. We're in him. Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, blameless before him. Now listen, in love he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. How do we become sons and daughters of God? Through Jesus Christ. In Christ, in him, through Jesus Christ. That we are in the kingdom of God. We are in the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, because we are in Christ, we get to experience the love of God. And we can take that love of God and go live in the kingdom of this world. Amen. Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Who's that? Jesus. Here we are in Christ again. This glorious grace with which he's... How do we get the grace of God? How do we become recipients of the grace of God? Well, I got I to sign up to serve at the city team. You should do that. We hope you do. Well, I got to sign up for city school. I got to sign up for this. I got to do this thing. You should do all of those things are great, but you don't get any more grace of God because of you doing those things. How does it come? Through him, through the beloved. And once we understand this, we remove religious works from our mind that I'm on this treadmill trying to please God. No, he's pleased with you in Christ, in the beloved. In this kingdom of the son of his love, God loves you. Verse seven, in him, we have redemption through his blood that God has bought us back because of the blood of Jesus. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So we have forgiveness. We're redeemed by the riches of his grace. What was the first two words of verse seven? In him. All of that we experience in Christ. Verse eight, which he lavished upon you in all wisdom and insight. Lavished it upon you. Aren't you thankful for that? See, any, any parents in the room? Do you remember your babies? Do you remember? You're like, they're teenagers now. I've forgotten the whole thing. But when they were babies, you lavished love upon them. You took care of every one of their needs. Otherwise, they wouldn't have survived. You cleaned them up. You fed them. Put them in cute sleepers. Did they deserve any of it? None of it. They hadn't done anything. They were useless. Not contributing members of society at all. The household, they can't do the laundry. They can't do anything. They can't cook. Can't do the dishes. Can't walk the dogs. But in your love... And by your grace, they are now teenagers that you're struggling with. But that's another story. We're gonna, 
We're going to do parenting another week. <laughs> but God, God, the father, the reason you do that as parents, because not because you're a genius, is because God is like that. And he lavishes his love upon you. And, and you're, you're a pretty good parent, hopefully. But how much more is God good than you? Like a lot. And he lavishes his love upon you in this kingdom so that you can go out in the kingdom of this world and be supplied and helped and have grace and have forgiveness and have healing and have what you need because you have it in him, not in yourself, in him. Verse nine, making his making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth, say it with me, in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things, say it with me, in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. We have all of this in Jesus. He loves you. He gave all of this for you. Galatians chapter three, verse 23 says this. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian, or one translation says nanny or schoolmaster, until Christ came in order that we might be justified. Verse 25, but now faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian for In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Putting my faith in Jesus for my today and for my eternity. Verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptized. Now, the the New Testament talks about the doctrine of baptisms. When we, we get saved, we're baptized into Christ. And then the scripture talks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 tells us about those experiences. And then we see water baptism, what we're talking about today, being water baptized. And all of these things mean to be immersed. When I'm in Christ, I'm immersed in Christ. When I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm immersed in the Holy Spirit. When we baptize our brothers and sisters today, they're going to be immersed in water. And what is all of that? What is baptism is telling the story that we are immersed in Christ, in the family of God. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ. Now, let me just take a second to make sure that we understand what this verse means. It does, it's, so the first part is saying there's no, there's, mo, there's no special place because of your nationality. The, the Jews were the chosen people so that they would bring the Messiah. But that's why they were chosen because not, they were necessarily more special than any other group, but they were chosen so they could bring the Messiah. So in other words, you, you don't have a better spot in Christ because you're Jewish. So there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. Now, again, many people think, well, does the Bible condoning slavery? And when we read this, we think about, you know, recent past here in North America, uh, race-based slavery, that this is not talking about that. People um, in this time who had debts would sell themselves to somebody to pay off their debt, indentured servitude. So these people could, they would go and they work for somebody and say, well, I'll work for you for five years to pay off this debt. Now, these people weren't 
owned in the sense that we could think about in recent past. They would go home at night. But they were called slaves in this time. Hope that clears it up a little bit for people. And then when it says there's no male nor female, this doesn't mean in our contemporary context that there aren't men and women because there are. And we can have a conversation about that later if you wish. But what it means is men who had a lot of power in society at this time don't have a special place with God because they're men. Any ladies want to give me an amen there? It's like we're all the children of God. Nobody has a special place with God. But in Christ, we are the children of God. Amen. That was a a race of an explanation of all those things. Verse 29. And if you are Christ, are you Christ this morning? Man, we're finding ourselves in Christ. I don't want to live in the kingdom of Brent. It's it's not enough. I want to be in the kingdom of God. I want to be Christ today and then eternity. I want to be in Christ, don't you? I don't want to stand before God and be like, God was pretty good, don't you think? (laughs) Did you see all the good things that I did? No, on the day of judgment, I'm going to plead Jesus. I'm finding myself in Christ, that we are Christ then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit into his son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Oh, so this is the thing. We can actually have a relationship with God. And this is what the people who are getting baptized today are saying. They're just going public saying, you know what? I'm in Christ. I'm telling the story that I have a relationship with God, that he is my father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And of a son, then an heir through God. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 says this. Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There is a righteousness of God, verse 21, manifested apart from the law. Now, if you think about the Pharisees, they, their, their righteousness was through the law. In other words, through their ability to keep the law. God's, man's, Roman law, whatever you want to say. But here, there's a righteousness of God that's separate from you doing that. It actually comes... In Christ, we put our faith in Jesus and we receive righteousness, right standing with God because of our faith in Christ. And this is the story of the gospel. And if you're here today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. This is how we do it. We don't 
pretend that we're perfect because we aren't. And we don't pretend that we're better than all the other people. And surely God will accept me because I'm so good. The story of the scripture says there is a righteousness separate from the law. A right standing with God separate from anything you can do in the kingdom of your name. And it's in Christ. And all you have to do is say yes. Move the authority, the, the authority over your life from your name. I'm going to put Jesus there. I want, I want to be found in Christ. First John 4, verse 7 says this. Beloved. Is that you? Or is that just Jesus? But you're in Christ. So this is you. Are you thankful for that today? Let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest among us that God sent his only son in the world that we might live through him, through him. Why are we living through him is because we are in Christ. In this love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. All right, it is time for baptism. So we're going to dismiss our candidates. Calvin is going to take them out there with his super awesome board shorts.